This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera. A mix of old school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There'll be no rerolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny, and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Last time on Legend of the Bones. Having camped for the night in a small roadside clearing, the party were confronted by unseen brigands lurking in the undergrowth. Cornered and apparently under threat from archers, Beric convinced his companions that they must take the fight to the enemy. Launching their attack, the companions faced a volley of arrows, injuring Beric and Balin. Kier managed to shoot dead one of the brigands, and with Beric and Lena charging, the enemy's morale broke and they fled. Beric was able to capture one of the outlaws, who, later it turned out, was their leader. The party continued their journey back to Halstone, and en route, an exchange between Beric and the captured outlaw, whose name was Redwald, left the warrior thinking that these outlaws were in some way connected to those that had attacked Four Rivers. Elsewhere, we learnt that Father Kelnoth had been released from captivity in Halstone, and had travelled to the city of Trevance to meet with Reynard of Harburg, the cleric who led the Brethren of the Purifying Light. Reynard revealed that he was seeking the five jewels from the crown of King Vortigern, and of his ambition of usurping the kingdom and establishing a religious state. Reynard claimed to have already found three of the jewels, but that Balin's master had somehow diminished the power of the jewel in his keeping. To revive its power, Reynard murdered Kelnoth, spilling the priest's blood over the jewel in a ritualistic sacrifice. Chapter 18, Part 1, Day 23, Early Evening Party Status Beric, 22 out of 23 hit points Lena, 16 out of 16 hit points Kia, 10 out of 10 hit points Valen, 11 out of 11 hit points Spells available Valen has memorized Push Shield and soothe. Lena can pray for one first level miracle. Twilight was descending as the companions passed once again through the gates of Halstone. The air was rich with the heady smell of seaweed, salt and fish. By now most folk were beginning to return to their homes and whilst the evenings were becoming lighter the soft glow of candlelight could still be seen from many dwellings. Others, mainly young men and women, were making their way to the town's numerous taverns, and the atmosphere in the streets was notably lighter. The party proceeded down the high street, and as they passed the Anchor Tavern, the sound of laughter and conviviality drifted from the open door, along with the pungent aromas of cooked meat, ale and pipeweed. 
The companions looked on with jealous eyes. But the tavern's comforts would have to wait, for they had need to speak with Barak first. They crossed the now deserted market square, and Keir pulled the wagon into the courtyard of the barrack stables. A boy came from a small hut to take care of the horses, and Keir tossed the boy a shilling for his trouble. The rogue climbed down and patted the horses on the necks. You've done well. The pair bobbed their heads. See how you get a good stable, and fresh hay, he said to the boy. They've earned it. The rest of the companions alighted, carrying sacks with the treasures of four rivers. Beric slung the body of Clem over his shoulder, whilst Keir cut Redwall's leg bindings before pushing the outlaw along. They made their way around to the front of the building and approached the entrance of the barracks. The two guards recognised them, acknowledging the companions with a nod. Is my Lord Brannock here? Beric asked. Oi, the man responded but raised his eyebrow at the body slung over the big man's shoulder. Beric saw his expression. Don't ask, he said. The party went inside, and as they approached the hall, they could hear the murmur of voices beyond the heavy iron-bound doors. The spearmen guarding the doors likewise nodded with recognition and allowed the companions to pass. As the doors opened, the tantalising aroma of cooked meat and ale filled the air. The tall, lancet windows of the hall were shuttered, and the space was now illuminated by half a dozen flaming braziers on each side. Two long trestle tables were arranged lengthways down the hall, at which sat the thirty or so soldiers of the garrison who were not on duty. The tables were laden with several platters of roasted fowl, cheese, and freshly baked bread, upon which the soldiers feasted. At the far wall, a small fire burned in the hearth, before which, at a widthways table, sat Brannock, with Captain Igraine on his right. The inhabitants ceased their chatter and turned to face the new arrivals. Whispers could be heard as the companions walked between the soldiers towards the reeves' table, not least because of the body that Beric carried, and the prisoner among them. But the companions' clothes were also filthy, and their armour in need of repair. Brannock stood as the companions approached, never taking his eyes off them. Beric stopped and lowered Clem's wrapped body to the floor. He gave a short bow, then looked the reeve in the eye. My lord. Braddock looked at each of them in turn, with a look of surprise mixed with grim satisfaction. By the gods, he said. You look like you've been to hell and back. Beric gave a bitter half-smile. That, my lord, is not too far from the truth. So the party had made it back to the relative safety of Halstone, and this would give them a brief respite and the opportunity to rest, repair and resupply. But before that can happen, their companions will need to debrief with Brannock. With that in mind, I think it's time to consult the GM Oracle to establish what part, if any, that Redwald has in the wider emerging story. So first up, I want to know if Redwald and his men are part of the gang that attacked Four Rivers. A four. That is a yes but. Okay, so maybe that but means that Redwall's group are part of the gang, but not directly involved in the attack. As Redwall is the leader of a group, 
Is he part of the gang's inner circle? A three. That's a no but. So he's not high ranking in the gang. Although that but suggests he might know something about the gang's motivations. Who has been paying them, or even their association with the brethren of the purifying light? Is that true? A six. That is a yes and. Hmm, I wonder. I'm going to ask one more question, but I'm not going to reveal what it is just yet. Alright, this could be interesting. So let's get back to the story. Chapter 18 Part 2 Day 23 Evening Party Status The party status is unchanged. And in the process we captured this man. We know nothing but his name, Redwald. But something tells me that he is in some way connected to the attack on Four Rivers. The rest of our journey passed without incident. Beric took a sack from Valen and took out Vortigan's sword, armor, and shield, which he placed on the table before the reeve. Here are the treasures from Vortigan's tomb, my lord. After the companion's arrival, Brannock had dismissed his men. Clem's body had also been removed, the reeve having ordered the head to be cut off and displayed on a spike by the town gates. Only Captain Egrain remained, along with two soldiers who restrained Redwald. You've done well, Brannock announced. I promised you that you would be rewarded, and so you shall be. Thank you, my lord, Beric replied. These treasures will go to Lord Conwyn, for they were recovered on his domain and on the Reeves' business. But you will be recompensed. Beric nodded in subservient assent. As for you, the Reeve said, addressing Redwald. What do you have to bargain for your life? The outlaw looked up at Brannock with bitterness and defiance. Nothing. Brannock sat back in his chair, his elbows resting on the armrests and the fingers of his hands pressed together. He nodded, and one of the soldiers suddenly punched Redwald in the stomach. The outlaw doubled over, coughing. <coughs> Don't test me. If you think I'm a compassionate man, then you are badly mistaken, the Reeve said sharply. Still bent, Redwald laughed. It was sardonic and full of mockery. He spat before straightening himself. If you think I'm afraid by your pathetic intimidation, then you are the one who's badly mistaken. The soldier stepped forward to strike the outlaw again. No! Lena interjected. Everyone turned towards the cleric, who stepped forward. There is another way. Dramatis Personae Lena The candle burned low as its soft light gently illuminated the bedchamber. The hour was late, and the earlier noise of the tavern's barroom below had long since died away. The only sounds that now drifted through the shuttered window were the gentle lapping of water and the flapping of rigging in the breeze. 
The mermaid was a typical quayside tavern, whose patrons, typically sailors and dock workers, changed as frequently as the ships in the harbour. Anonymity was easy in a place like this. Lena lay nestled against her lover, her hand resting on his bare chest. She hated the room. The air was tinged with the sour odour of old ale. The gaps in the floorboards were so wide that you could see the barroom below. And where there was a rug, it was threadbare and moth-eaten. But still, it was a place where she and Merrin could be alone, away from prying eyes. She hated that also. Why did their love need to be a secret? It won't always be like this, will it? She asked softly. What do you mean? Merrin replied, pretending he did not know what she meant. You and I, being a secret, hiding away. Lena, you know why it must be this way. Lena moved to prop herself up on an elbow in order to look at him. No, I don't. Priests are not forbidden to love. And there are plenty who marry and have children, she argued. Merrin rolled onto his side to face her. He sighed and then reached out to tuck a stray lock of Lena's hair behind her ear. Yes, that is true, Merrin conceded. But I am your teacher, and the High Seer has forbidden it. I could be cast out of the church. Then I will petition for another tutor. And the High Seer would know. He is no fool, Lena. He stroked her face. You know this. Lena nodded meekly, her eyes downcast. Merrin gently lifted her chin so she would meet his gaze. Come now. Can we not just be happy as we are? Merrin asked, but it was not really a question. And instead of kissing her, as she had expected, Merrin got out of the bed and began to dress. Where are you going? Lena asked in dismay. I need to get back. I am leading matins in a couple of hours. Yes, of course, Lena added, somewhat dejected. She watched him as he finished dressing. Marin? Yes? Do you think I shall ever receive the word? Marin stopped and turned to face her. Of course I do. Why do you doubt yourself? he asked. It's just... I know that some novitiates do not. Well, that is true, Merrin said, giving confirmation to Lena's fear. But even those who do receive the word, sometimes only do so once. For reasons that only they know, the Nine do not always speak or answer the call. He smiled kindly and came to sit on the bed beside her. I'll tell you a secret. I myself have only once received the word. Lena looked at Merrin her eyes wide with surprise. Really? Merrin nodded. But that is not important. What is important is following the scriptures and upholding the traditions of the church. But how does that bring us closer to the Nine? The scriptures were written by people, not by the gods. Merrin slightly recoiled. He looked a little disappointed. Be careful, Lena. Such talk is heresy. Speak of such things in public, and you will have the brethren come calling. The brethren? The brethren of the purifying light. They are fanatics. 
They seek out heretics and send them to the pyre. Can they really do that? Not in Godsport. They were banished from the city some years ago, after they falsely accused the Alderman's niece of being a witch. But in some places, I hear their influence grows. Somewhere in the distance, a bell tolled three times. Merrin cupped her face once more before standing up. I must leave you. reasons which you may have already guessed, Redwald will not break easily. In fact, he is prepared to take his secrets to the grave. But as I was considering this, I remembered that clerics have access to a miracle called Cause Fear. Now the basic expert rules for this miracle state that the target must make a successful save versus spell or flee for two turns. Well, Redwald clearly cannot flee, so I will rule that if he is affected by the miracle, he will answer any questions truthfully for the duration. However, first things first, Lena must pass a wisdom check for the miracle to be granted. She needs to roll a 17 or less. A 2. So far so good. As a third level rogue, Redwald must roll a 15 or more in order to save versus spell. Here is the roll. Okay, let's see what happens. Chapter 18 Part 3 Day 23 Evening Party Status The party status is unchanged. Aware of her place, Lena looked at the Reeve with deference. Lord, may I? Brannock regarded the cleric with curiosity, then slowly nodded his assent. Lena moved to stand before Redwald. The outlaw sneered with mockery and contempt. Foolish girl, you think you can succeed where the Reeve cannot? He stared at the cleric with venom. His tone was changed, as if a guise was beginning to fall. When the time comes, and mark my words it will, you will crawl, you will beg for death, but you shall be given no such mercy. Lena gazed at the man impassively, unmarred by his words. She reached inside her tunic with her left hand and pulled out her holy symbol. Redwald snorted with derision. Lena took no heed. She reached out with her right hand and touched his forehead. Mithra, the cleric said softly, I beseech thee, hear my prayer. She lifted her head and her voice rang loud and clear. Giver of wisdom, beacon of truth, Hallowed is thy word, forsooth. Well of knowledge, giver of sight, thy arrow shoots in truest flight. O blessed sage, counsel our choice, that we may speak with virtuous voice. 
deliver us justice, enlighten our hearts, unveil to us the righteous path. Lay low the false prophet, may they fear the true word, may they tremble before the truth that is heard. So let it be, now and for eternity. Lena's final word reverberated around the hall. Nothing happened, but the cleric's face was one of humility and reverence. Ha! Redwald exclaimed in mockery. Hypocrite! He sneered. Apostate! I've seen how you look at the warlock. You're the whore of a heretic. You're- <gasps> Redwall's tirade was suddenly interrupted as Lena gasped. Her eyes rolled up, leaving only the whites visible as an inexplicable wind began to swirl around her, whipping up her cloak and tunic. Everyone took a step back, though somehow the soldiers had the wit to retain their hold on their prisoner. Lena's hair had become unraveled from their braids, and her auburn locks now danced around her head like flames. The torches spluttered and went out, plunging the hall into darkness. Then, a soft golden light began to emanate from the cleric. It grew brighter and brighter still, until it was almost blinding. Those assembled shielded their eyes, as Lena raised her hand to point at Redwald. Tremble, false prophet! Bow before the glory of the Nine! The cleric commanded, her voice strange and unnatural, yet imbued with power. Redwall was overcome with fear and panic. He wailed and pulled against his captors, desperate to flee before the presence of righteous fury. On your knees! The soldiers stepped back, levelling their spears at the outlaw, as he dropped to the floor. He wrung his hands in pleading submission. Mercy! Mercy! He cried pitifully, his body shaking. Thou wilt speak truth first. Yes, yes, anything. What know you of the attack on Four Rivers? It was L4. L4 Kano's gang. Redwald replied, cowering. Why did they attack Four Rivers? They were paid. Paid by whom? Maylor. Who is this Maylor? He is a steward to Lord Palmyre. But he is more than that, is he not? Yes. There were tears now streaming down the man's cheeks. Do you share Melos' fealty? Yes. And to whom do you swear allegiance? The Brethren of the Purifying Light. The man said softly. Why are the brethren interfering in a dispute between Polmir and Lord Conwyn? I know not, I swear. I was only sent four days hence by Maylor. Please, I'm but a loyal foot soldier. Redwall began to sob. Sent for what purpose? Lena demanded. To capture the warlock, Valen. Then, as quickly as they came, the light and the wind that surrounded the cleric faded away. For a moment, the hall was once again plunged into pitch darkness. Then just as suddenly as they had died, the braziers sprang back into life. Lena stood motionless, her head bowed, eyes closed, her pale skin like ivory in the torchlight. 
and only the faintest movement of her lips in imperceptible prayer distinguished her from a statue. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. If you like what you've heard, then please consider giving it a five-star review in your podcatcher of choice. Positive reviews really do help the show reach new listeners. I would like to take a moment to thank this episode's voice talent. Returning in the role of Redwald is Jim Hurst. Once again, Jim, thank you so much. You can also help by liking or retweeting new episode announcements, or by recommending the show online or to a friend. I'd also love to know what you think of the show, and I do respond to every message I receive. So with that in mind, you can contact me on Twitter, at Legend Bones, Instagram, at Legend of the Bones, email at legendofthebones at gmail.com, or go to legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, character profiles, maps, and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Are you looking for a D&D podcast with a dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls.